Welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. Hey, hey, hey. And Ham. Yep, still here. And back on the back of our first loss of the 2020 season, going down 24 to 10 against the Roosters. Um, we know that you uh, watch the vision on your television screens, but what was your take on the game, Jets? Bertie, take it away, baby. We need your um, fight-up opinions. Oh, started. fuck. Like, I was actually okay with it. Like, you know, like, they just... There's three things guaranteed in life whenever we play the Roosters. Death, taxes, and they always win the penalty count. <laughs> I just don't understand how they are a notorious team that loses the penalty count, but yet they're squeaky clean against us. And you just saw the game, four shots at goal in front of the post. You never see that, and yet they compare it to a set of origin game. Tell I mean, me the last State of Origin game you've seen four to one team. <laughs> That's a valid point insofar as when State of Origin is played, they tend to put the whistle away and let the result speak for itself. But yeah, I think the intensity of the game definitely rivaled an Origin game. I forward smashed them. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. I thought, we, yeah, we really controlled their forwards there. Just did not let them play. I handled Tedesco really well. Well, to the Tedesco, and I, I looked at the numbers and I couldn't believe it. He had 185 running meters per NRL.com. He had no impact in that game. Like, no. the, where did he get no. those 185 meters? Like, I, I have no like idea. Lane. Just a stat monster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got the, the Lane genes, just sneakily gets him. But we did a fantastic job of controlling Teddy and then make a Sebo buried him. Yes. Uh, but let's have a look to those stats. Possession was 51 49 to the Roosters. Time in possession, pretty much equal. Uh, the big difference in the game, and I think that's how we saw it, especially in that first half, was the completion rate. Mm-hmm. Roosters 37 of 41 at 90%, and we were at 74%, 28 from 38. The Roosters being 17 from 17 in that second half, which really was the difference. And I Sorry. think. Um, what we've done so well so far this season is control possession, especially in the first half and run home late. Uh, but the Roosters did the old uh, square up on us and, That's right. and control possession really well in that first half. Yeah, that was uh, but, one of the points I was going to bring up there was that the Roosters played us like we've played other mm-hmm. teams where that first 20 minutes, you complete high percentage, 95% plus, and then in defence, you just go down there and smash them Drop as that hard on. as you absolutely can. The Wally Lewisism, you dictate terms, right? Yeah, and, 100%. And, and I was just going to say on Hamish's point, those possession uh, and completion rates, 74% is enough to beat most teams in the NRL. It's not enough to beat the Roosters. Yeah. And, you no, know, you want it mid, mid-high 80s. That's right. And that, that was an important lesson out of that game. But um, a lot of a lot of real positive points to go on there. But is there any more team stats you're going to go to, Hamish? Um, just looking through them, the Roosters' six line breaks, uh, obviously in the second half, that was... Uh, their, their try off the back yeah, of our try inflated, um, was the big one. Uh, average play the ball speed, point, uh, 0.21 seconds difference. Roosters, of course, winning that one. Um, we seem to go down on that all the time. But keeping up with the offloads, Eels 21 to the Roosters 14. And then uh, dummy pass. Uh, no, that doesn't really matter. Uh, kick to Bizzle. The Effective tackles will both at 85%. This tackle... 25 Roosters, 37 to the Eels. Ineffective tackles, 34 to the Roosters, 24 to the Eels. And then the big one, errors, 11 to 4 in Eels, making more. As Bertie touched on, penalty, 7 to 3. And then Sinbin's, 1 to nil. And do we want to touch on that Sinbin issue there? Uh, I mean, silly from Jennings. yeah, like, I suppose in a normal week, you could argue that the penalty was sufficient and they should have just given, given the shot at two. But the NRL did mandate that they were going to Sinbin such things. So we haven't got too much of a ground to complain on. <clears throat> I suppose as far as penalties are concerned, there were a couple of moments in the game where we could argue insofar as Victor Radley uh, clocking Quinton Gufferson across the chin and getting no penalty. And then there were the two strips, one where uh, Ray Stone was deemed to have lost the ball despite some pretty obvious interference by the Roosters. And then in the second half, 
uh, Penny Trepo, who bounced off a tackle, coming back in the, to complete the tackle, hits the ball like in with his forearm, and the ball pops loose, and Jared Weir Hargraves escapes and knock on with the. Uh, you could you could say the other side of it. We Jennings burning our um captain's challenge no, early that, didn't that, help that, us. That is that is an actual. Uh, se- uh, we talked about segways last week, but a natural sort of uh, flowing point for the conversation, and that the Eels, you know, need to be um, much more on, on their toes for the challenge. They wasted it. Like that was obvious that Jennings had knocked it on. And I'm not really sure why they threw it out there because I know that they want to you know, keep pace in the opening exchanges, but that wasn't really a great opportunity to use a challenge. And it certainly allowed the Roosters to push the envelope even more so in the ruck after that. And they got away with a few calls because that's what happens when you put pressure on the referees and you put pressure on opposition. And um, sin being being consistent probably across that weekend, but the the frustrating thing for I think most fans will be in four weeks' time that's not going to be a sin bin. No, exactly. Um, so you know the, probably, these crackdowns are just stupid. That's right. They they telegraph it and they do it for a round or two and then it just disappears every year. The thing that annoys me the most about the sin binning is the play before Dylan Brown runs however many meters across field and makes a brilliant try saving tackle on Luke Keary. You know as old as Jennings is and as you know big a game as he had, if you can run that extra eight meters just to get back on side. Yeah, that's what I think anyway. I thought mm-hmm. Jennings was a bit lazy from him. That's not unfair. Yeah, it certainly was lazy. That's not unfair. No. And I think that might the, the same might be said on that first break, the Kiri break down that left edge. Uh, it was sort of reminiscent of that grand final try against the uh, the Canberra Raiders. Uh, but Mitch Moses gets caught early trying to put on a shot um, off the back of scoring points and, and kicking that sideline conversion is then not where he's meant to be. And then Reedy just doesn't push across hard enough. And, you know, the bloke made 50 tackles plus. He so missed, I'm not going to burn missed, him for that. And this is a stat I raised in my, my post-game blog. He missed two tackles that game. Made 56, missed two, and had two ineffective. So of those two missed tackles, one was so crucial to the game. And it shows you how close, how thin that margin of error is when you take on the Roosters, doesn't it? It does. And, um, you know, it, there's a lot of players that had really good games. That Michael Jennings obviously burning them down that, that edge, uh, putting himself away for one and, and the setup for Sivo. And, and, and how, how about that, Sivo? Oh, Did that have you all guys jumping up in that, the that, in that, was, that was Marshawn Lynch, Beast Quake type of stuff right there. They just What he did to James Tedesco was, you're not allowed to show that on national TV. No, I, I think, think that the 2020 version is a uh, big dick energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the old Fijian sidestep oh, and uh, <laughs> Jonah, Jonah Lomu, rest in peace. He, he'd be I'm proud of that one. That was vintage, just steam train. I'm bigger. I'm more powerful. I'm better than you. I'm going to score. The um, you know, I think I rewatched that about five times when it happened. When I realised Tedesco was um getting tended to. But just to bring it back down a little bit, there did that. Stop him play, hold him out. out yeah, that, that, that is an interesting point. It's, we had all the momentum. The Roosters were reeling because if you're watching our, if you go back and watch our attack, our mix ups there, our, our ability to switch between structured and unstructured play, go from edge to edge, from, yeah. ruck, from ruck to wide so easily with second phase play or just good lateral shifts, they were, they were all on the back foot. They were absolutely reeling. And then that happens. And yes, James Desco is obviously a huge loss, best player in the game, absolute superstar. But it gave them the time to compose themselves, to get the coach's message out from the box, get the trainers out there and just say, look, this is what you need to do. You need to counterpunch here. You need to attack their right edge. You know, they've been shaking down that right edge. Make sure you get back to it. Yeah, and sure and enough, like, that's what Luke Curie did. As much as it's going to be on highlights for the rest of my life, for sure, you know, I think that could have been a turning point. It was a turning point in the game where, you know, as you said, it just gave them that little bit extra time to breathe, rethink their strategy and then being the championship side that they are, just they went boom and that was the end of it. Whereas if, you know, Moses kicks that goal, 
We run back, we roll through our set again. Do we then kick to the sideline, set a scrum, and then go on and smash them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a and really fascinating what if, isn't it? I was going to say, um, you know, our defence in that first half was really good. It stood up a lot of tests, especially on the goal line. Um, but a bit of criticism is still that right edge between Fergo oh, and, and, and Wunga Blake. Wunga, uh, you know, needs a bit of tackling bag practice because there's still a lot of arm grabbing sort think, of going on. To be fair, you're absolutely correct there, but I think everyone except Madison on that edge probably needs a little bit of extra tackling practice this week. Mitchie's been awesome in defence this year, but he fell off a few tackles on Josh Morris, which caused some issues down that edge. And then obviously Wanga just arm grabbing everywhere. So that that was not good. And then at one point later in the and towards that last try, I think Blake Ferguson got put on a pedestal and left behind by Morris. So that wasn't exactly his best moment. So yeah, right edge had a lot of issues there. Um, and the Roosters, you know, they're too good a team not to exploit that. And we to- we spoke about that in the lead up to the game and the Roosters did their homework. And unfortunately, that is that is literally where the game was won and lost because uh, barring a, a bounce pass for the second week in a row, that goes perfectly to the opposition winger. Yeah. That that is so so bullshit. Two weeks in a row, perfect bounce passes that you know they they weren't forward, but they're struggling that line where sometimes a touchy or call it because it's that bad a pass. And no, instead it bounces up perfectly for Brett Morris and Dill has a shot, a chance to put a shot on him and just goes too high. He ducks under it and scores. That was frustrating. Well, last week he went low. And low. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's going to do the Goldilocks in week three: one too high, one too low, one just well, right. You know me; I like to spin stuff to make it a positive. <laughs> Name me another team that will. I think we had like forty percent possession in the first half. We're down one try, no, and two penalty goals. Uh, the Roosters buried the dogs. They buried the um, the. I was going to say the dragons, the Broncos, and they would have buried most other teams in that situation. And that that mm. the, our twenty seventeen team, the best team that we've had since the, uh, if you exclude this year, the best thing we had uh, post two thousand and nine, where they had that incredible run. They were in similar circumstances that. Uh, 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 the football park, not ANZ, uh, Allianz. And they got absolutely destroyed in that first 15 minutes where I think the Roosters raced to an 18-0 lead with Kirasami or Avaa getting destroyed by Latrell Mitchell. And we just didn't have the ball. They had all the ball, all the possession, all the territory, and we, we just crumbled. And in similar circumstances, we managed to not only hold them out, but get a, a share of respect from them, a showing of respect that was so significant that they took four shots at goal. They, they didn't think they could crack us on 13 on 13. The commentators were saying how long we can't hold them out that long. They scored off a pass that bounced that That's bounced right. forward. Like it's like a fl- like if you asked whoever threw it, I reckon nine times out of ten it doesn't. That's right. Off. It just it rolls in the touch or it bounces towards the eels or something like that. It just mm. it, you know it was a lottery ball that you know for the second week in a row. Just Penrith and the Roosters both managed to score and get a try off them. But yeah, really, really chuffed about that first half defensive effort. I think at the same by the same token, we should be a little bit critical for putting ourselves in some of those situations. I think um, Janko had that one drop we talked about earlier with the captain's challenge, and we sort of we gave the Roosters those opportunities in a couple of times that were it was a little bit frustrating. I think that's part of the reason why they were able to pull away in that last quarter because I think Brad was saying that at halftime we'd made sixty or seventy more tackles than them, and that leveled out in the second half, but also meant that we'd taken the juice out of our own engine um, in that final quarter. And and also added to that, just the play, the the set before half time, you know, giving up possession. That's right. Uh, make a, giving a penalty right make on getting, the, getting stripped and then turning that into a high tackle. Well, it was a high tackle, but it was like a really weak high tackle, which gave, gave them two points. That's right. You can't do that against the Roosters. It's just every, because every two points means that you're extending it one score away when they're going up in, in sixes when they score. And um, I know we've been a big proponent of Raymond Stone, but uh, certainly not his best outing in first grade this no. game. They, they, no, mix, they mixed it up. Gave him a run before halftime, and it just didn't quite work out. Um, other than that, Regan, probably a little bit uh, quiet, but uh, on the positive note, uh, 
make a Sevo. Michael Jennings, fantastic. Gutherson probably outplayed uh, uh, Tedesco yeah. in this game. Uh, Dill Brown, Mitch Moses in the halves um, also had cracking games. Uh, Junior Paulo up front, man. Uh, I know we're a long time off origin, but he, he is certainly putting his hand he's, up front and centre. His, for name, and his name isn't coming up. That's the the part that amazes me. All of it, I know the, it's media talk, but you know, they do drive some of the narrative there. And there's always – it includes Parramatta players getting included, Nathan Brown and, and even Reagan Campbell-Gillard's had his hat thrown into the ring. Junior doesn't come up and it just blows my mind. The guy is playing as one of the best bookends in the competition. He's been so good for us. Um, I thought Murata was really good off the bench as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ro- Roman Stone and Sean Lane as well, uh, both great. And, and Nathan Brown, what can you say? We just hope that uh, – I think we're here on Tuesday night, so we're recording this at 7.20, so hopefully – I'm not quite sure when the judiciary sits, but by the time you're listening to this, we're hoping that that charge is downgraded to a grade one. Um, I thought grade two was exceptional given that that's all that Tony Staggs got for the shot on Dylan Brown in um, round three. And from the same game. you know, he'd been stripped of a ball. Sorry, he lost a ball and a tackle came back looking for a bit of vengeance. that's right. And then smacked a bloke uh, directly with a swinging arm to the head. Um, Not, you know... Nathan then, Browns were not defending it. It's high shot. But in the same um, game, you had yeah. Victor Radley clock Clinton Gufferson at 190 centimetres tall in the chin, and he got a grade one. So I, they could just show tape from the same game, and that would help you know, for a compelling argument. So really, really disappointed he got that grade two charge. And it brings up an interesting argument about the, the linearity of the scaling in the, the judiciary because a grade one careless is, a if we've now a guilty plea, $700 fine. I think it's like $900 if you just fight it and lose. A grade two is a base 200-point charge, so you're looking at two weeks out. Like That doesn't seem to be like linear scaling, if you're asking me. Maybe it's showing how much of the scale is, how, and, and probably precedent, well, not precedent, but probably adding uh, some bolster to Nathan's Brown's uh, appeal for a downgrade. Because yeah, exactly. Because grade two is, is that bad or seen as that bad that it warrants two weeks out, what Nathan Brown did, it, it couldn't be that bad. And it's interesting that there is a perception that Nathan Brown is a bad boy, but you made the point on Reddit, I think it was, Hamish, I saw your comment, that he's only actually been suspended for like five weeks since 2017. Yeah, and two of those coming this That's year right. for those the, knees the Copley, into... Um, the Copley slide. To Copley. That's right, yeah. And, you know, that was just in trying to save a try. Like, you can't slide in like that. We were critical of him at the time. Yeah, we, but- ga- we gave it to him. We said he was going to get suspended for it deservedly. But, yeah, this this whole idea that he's a bad boy, he definitely plays to the line, the, like the, the line... And, you know, goes out there and tries to enforce his will on the opposition team, but he does not have the, the rap sheet to warrant the reputation. Well, I think the the reputation came from his junior days at Tigers. True, that, if you that, ever that see the under-20s between yeah. him and Canberra Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, when he was at South, there was that cr- crotch-stomping incident. Yeah. Um, and I think he's, he's changed as a player since then, but... You know, he's carried that reputation. I think it's a bit like Mitch Moses, where he was at the That's Tigers right. and he was a bit of a, a stuck up little uh, shit. Prima and he Donna. comes to the yeah. Eels and, you know, he's matured a bit and grown up a bit, but he's always got that reputation. And plus, you've got Tigers fans uh, being salty as hell that they, <laughs> they're left with a thumb rather than. Um, then, uh, you know, somebody that's vying for, for rep honours at the end of the year. Now, we didn't touch on it before when we are going over the uh, the team sheet and who deserved praise from that game, but I think this was a breakthrough game for Oregon Kafusi off the bench. Uh, NRL.com's got him down for 110 metres off 11 carries, and he made a bunch of tackles amidst that too, as he got here. I think it was 22 tackles, one miss, so very good um, strike rate defensively. Um, I thought that was a, a huge game for him, especially with Kane out for suspension. Um, the Eels needed some punch off the bench, and he really gave it to him. Yeah, I agree with that. He um, had a very good stint out there. And um, hope we'll, we'll get into the team Spoil, list uh, sometime shortly, yeah. but he might be picking up a couple more minutes in the next <laughs> couple of weeks. 
Stefano who? <laughs> <laughs> you can have him ninth place West Perth, whatever the fuck you call he's now. Like, like you know, you look at the stats, 110 metres, right? <laughs> 110 metres, right? Like, you think, oh, it's an average game. But it's against who? The Roosters. And a defence that they're rushing and yeah, they're like and the best of, like... The, the, that's, the, that's, that's like 200 metres against West Tigers. The, the rate numbers there are... Re- <laughs> off the bench, 100 metres is always an excellent game for a, a bench forward. So the rate numbers are really good when you're looking at it on a pure statistical point of view. But if you watch the game, you could see that he was obviously testing the defensive line. He was really carrying, you know, going into the line hard and it was a threat to offload in nearly every carry. He didn't actually get an offload to his name in that game, which is interesting because it shows that he could you know, not pull the trigger when it wasn't there while still fighting for the offload. So his best days are definitely ahead and hopefully we'll get to see that very soon. It looks quicker from last year, yeah. probably because yeah. he's lost ten kilos. But he looks more rapid and yeah, he's he's yeah. It, it's the it's the problem that so many young bookends struggle with is finding the optimal playing shape and playing conditioning. And like you said, Bertie, I think last year he got a little bit too big, um, not no, not from like an unfit perspective, but the same way that uh, Daniel Alvaro got too big um, in, in in a similar season. And you know, it takes away from your ability to be effective aerobically and across the course of a game. And like you said, he's slimmed down a little bit and he looks in to be like prime condition to make a difference for us. So definitely some positives, but um, Roosters have gone back-to-back premierships for a reason. They're the benchmark. Um, we, we know where we've got to live up to now, and, and hopefully we can Look, be a bit smarter between uh, the years should we have to play them again later in the now, season. As flawed, as flawed as our effort was, it was so impressive that Paul Kent has written multiple articles about how we're looking okay. So, you know, that, that that's your litmus test right there. <laughs> it must be doing something okay if Paul Kent on NRL 360 and in the Daily Telegraph is coming out saying, the Eels looked like they're, they're not there yet, but they look like the real deal. Yeah, I think that's about where you'd put it is that I think we can be competitive against some of the top teams, whereas, you know, in years past where we could uh, lay out the bottom eight, but yeah. when you start getting towards uh, top eight opponents, then you're, you're losing. And I think so far this season, uh, if you look at where everybody's lying, I think there's a clear top seven at the moment. And we've beat what we beat the Panthers and we also beat the uh, Manly Seagulls. So that's, that's right. two and out Seag- of the top Seagulls are full seven. strength as well before we had the injuries. But uh, yeah. that, I suppose the, the sort of takeaway lesson for me out of this is that that was the Roosters barring Lindsay Collins dropping out for a, a head clash, I think, in the week. That was the Roosters at full strength. They had a short turnaround, I understand, but they also had a very soft game. So that sort of plays in the other way there. So that was the Roosters at full strength during the regular, the regular season. So we now have that as our benchmark to test against ourselves for the rest of the season. And in saying that, we also know that the Roosters will find another gear for the, the finals. So we now have those two benchmarks that we're going to be testing ourselves against the remainder of the season. And it obviously starts this week where we take on the, the other grand finalists. But I'm glad that we got the Roosters at their best because it, it, it means that much more for us on our own review processes. I was just going to say um, one thing that the Roosters and particularly the Storm have over us is finals experience and rep experience. Whereas yeah. if, you know, we'd had a few more players there that had played a couple more finals games or even a bit more state of origin, especially in our spine, I think that might have carried us in the championship minutes just because the way the game mm-hmm. was played and everything. They yep. would be better for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. played at such an intensity and such a high level. And it, that, People have been describing it as basically a rep game. And so. that, that's back-to-back weeks of that level as well for Parramatta because that Penrith game was played at a very high level too. So that's taken the toll on them in some degree, but they managed to push through it even if they faded a little bit towards the back end of that game. No, I think that's a really good point there, Ham. And, you know, you're only going to get that experience by playing in those big games. So uh, bring on some more of those big games. Yeah, I think Junior Paulo made the uh, comment last year about uh, more more of it. That's right. He wanted his boys to be real hungry for rep. Yeah, so, you know, even if we get a couple more guys, Maddo, Laney, uh, Moses, hopefully, 
um, playing that Origin Arena will give them that big game experience where when these games do come up and finals games do come up, they know what to do. They know what sort of pressure they'll know the match and just be able to slow things and then take it as it comes. Uh, but I think we, we brushed over the biggest casualty of that game uh, being the cardboard cutout that our first uh, <laughs> mercilessly took out. Hey, he apologised. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Fergo, come on, let's let's get that mojo back this week, mate. Yeah, he needs it. He needs he needs, he needs just one one try. I reckon that's going to open the floodgates. He needs to come in looking for the ball. I reckon in attack. Like yeah, he's racking the ball out. But when we get in the opponent's twenty, he's hanging outside Wunga Blake. And um, I reckon if we do that, him coming in the unders and then Blake, because we do it on the left side where the fullback drifts across, Jennings stays on the outside, Micah runs unders. If we do that on the right. With Gustafson, Fergo running back and Wanga hanging out, I reckon that could provide some success, especially struggle to, you know, you give Fergo the ball 10 metres out. If he's got in his mind, he's going to score. So I just think he needs to go looking for the ball a little bit, but also we need to uh, give the ball. I think that was something we did uh, towards the beginning of last season where he played like a quasi-second fullback in attack. Um, But we haven't utilised that so far this season, so... Maybe we're keeping some things up our, our sleeve for our, later in the year. Our attacking principle has been much more about getting sideline side to sideline um, off fast breaks. So there's been less opportunity to get a second fullback in there, I think. so. The, but then in, in the red zone, there's definitely opportunity to do that. So it'll be something we could explore hopefully soon. Sounds good. Oh, well, I think we might leave the uh, recap there. Um, so good outing for the boys. They didn't disgrace themselves. And um, hopefully they can uh, improve on that later in the season when we start coming up against those top four teams again. Um, let's jump into some news. Um, also, yeah, just the stats, uh, the It looks like they're doing a rebuild on their website at the moment. So, uh, keep your eyes peeled on that for when that comes back online. Uh, news items, Nathan Brown feed the judiciary. We've already been through that in the game, uh, review. So, uh, hopefully by the time this drops, we'll have, uh, some good news. Uh, the next one is a bit out of left field. Jordan Rankin signing with the Eels on a two-year deal uh, for this season and next season. Um, what did you guys make of this? Yeah, it goes for 2021, Ham. Oh, geez. Okay, that's changed my opinion a little bit then. <laughs> I mean, I imagine that it's a, a very low-value, you know, low-risk signing as far as he's had experience. Squad, in NRL. squad signing. Yeah, exactly. Experience in the NRL. Um, he's going to be able to provide uh, – protection, uh, versatility across a few different positions in the back line. Not a huge fan of it from an impact on the first grade team perspective, but you also have to consider that um, I think in the, po- in the post sessions and during the week, as soon as you have a couple of guys that aren't even out injured but just a little bit banged up, you, you think about the opposed team who they're going to be playing in the, in the positions. They're very restricted of who they can have in that roster right now. So getting that top 30 field out was probably a priority. Getting a guy that can fill out in the back line in multiple spots is probably very valuable, very valuable when it comes to training. And I don't think he'd be high up in the pecking order for the NRL, but if he does come in there, he's not the worst. Well, no, it's it, it adds to our utility value. You've got Takarangi there, Salmon. Field. Field, um, a potential there. And now Jordan Rankin, five guys. That give you lots of, like I said, versatility options. So, yeah. that, And as far as our team being so strong in the, the top 17 or top 16, depending on how you see it, um, that's not bad. It gives you, gives you versatility. It gives you the ability to react to adverse situations later down the trail, down the road. I was going to say, is there any thought uh, potentially for having, you know, a, a number 14 off the bench in rank and just somebody zipping around dummy half to maybe spell? I, it's definitely read. It's definitely an area that the team could explore because I think our, our top 16, I think, is pretty much locked in now as far as our bench being at full strength, Kane, Murata, Oregon. And then that last spot is that one you're talking about. And if in a perfect world we'd have a Brandon Smith or something like that off the bench that can be that super spark at um, dummy half or lock forward, 
But like you said, maybe they can experiment with someone like Rankins. So but like, also just spelling uh, Reedy throughout the season. Yeah, well, given the, the the load that he has to shoulder as the, the primary hooker, you definitely want to be giving him rest where you can. Sorry, Birdie. Yeah, so I was thinking, because it's a two-year deal, where does that leave Will Smith and Reese Davies? Like, in terms of... Because this guy, we are ideally going to bring him in for first grade, right? And not 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 so much as a when he's signing. So does he, is he ranked ahead of, like, the likes of Salmon, Will Smith, and Davies hitting into 2021? Like... I'd or is say just when he's in general. I'd like, say he'd be he'd immediately be ahead of Reese Davies without even playing a game yeah. in our colours. I think that we saw in the preseason that Reese absolutely busted his chops in the training and and put himself in a great spot. But just when it came to the actual game time, he's still a, a cut below first grade. Uh, as far as the other guys, that's where it gets interesting because Tack has obviously got plenty of value to Brad Arthur as a utility, and he as, as we see this week, he comes back into the team and he can play anywhere in the back line and across the back row. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about ranking where he sits. I'd, I'd argue that he'd be ahead of Will Smith, maybe. But because there's no point in having Will Smith, to be honest, because no, he's, a, the, he's a half backup. There, there's a lot of these guys that would be um, at the end of their contracts, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, there'd be, yeah. I imagine that in the future, he's probably occupying Will Smith's spot solely in the top 30, that utility role. Because I imagine Will Smith, is he off contract at the end of this year? Yeah. It's three years in 2017. So, yeah, yeah this is a bit the last That's year. That's right. So, yeah, this is a little bit of. Um, uh, Salary cap management, top 30 roster management um, with an eye towards 2021 and beyond, it looks like. All right. Next uh, bit of news. The NRL is relaxing the uh, Apollo protocols. Uh, just oh, one sec. That's all right. Is that BA on the line? Yeah. So NRL, it, as we saw this week, NRL relaxing their Apollo, uh, the COVID protocols that they put in place. So that was how the, the, the set of jurisdictional guidelines they put in place to get the competition back which meant teams going into bubbles and there was all sorts of ways to breach the cap or breach the cap, breach the, the Apollo bubble. Um, so, yeah, getting getting relaxed. But in saying that, we've just had a second wave of COVID outbreaks in Victoria, including an, a certain Essendon player that was allowed to train with his teammates after having an A-test come back positive. So do we think that's going to change the um, change the situation with the NRL sort of back down on relaxing those uh, guidelines, boys? Well, Bradman uh, Best got uh, caught up in that's the That's right, yeah. He's <laughs> kill, killing about a million fantasy teams across the country just groaned because Braddy Best could not keep it um, in the bubble. Yes, he went to visit his parents' house, whereas in the bubble you could uh, meet at a cafe or something like that but not go over to somebody else's house. And, yes, sorry, that was BA on the line. Uh, after responding to our little Billy, uh, six-year-old's uh, <laughs> game plan. Billy, you cost us the game, Billy. Gosh. I, I sent in some tips to BA this week, and he was, uh, we were just running through them quickly. Okay. <laughs> so we'll win? Oh, definitely. Okay, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said, run it straight, you know, uh, <laughs> get some of those uh, those up the guts, got a piston on either side. That was one thing I thought was missing on the weekend was that piston play that we run on the goal line. Uh, I know we didn't get too many opportunities, but I, I, I like seeing that where we uh, we sort of run junior one side and then the other side. Oh, hold on, that's bad. <laughs> BA's got more to say. <laughs> but yeah, do, do we think that the NRL walks back the talk about restricting the, the restrictions, given what we're seeing in Victoria? Uh- I don't think so because they've moved those Melbourne games up to yeah, and given to given that New South Wales is pushing ahead of that stadium policy, opening up the ability to attend and whatnot, you have to think that the NRL is going to have to open up. And it comes back to what I was saying about training. Insofar as teams are going to be struggling to get a post a post sessions when the injuries add up because they can't call on their uh, Ron Massey guys or their you know their, their deeper Reggie guys. So opening up that bubble means you can get more guys in at training and you know help help that regard. Well, yeah, yeah. it's just you know. Don't be silly. Don't be stupid. That you're you don't you're asking a lot, Ham. Oh, you are yeah. asking. A, these are NRL players we're talking about, man. His, like historically, 
that is a whole bundle of evidence against what you're suggesting. I think each, you know, part of the under 20s program, development program, uh, or maybe even a bit further because that's a bit young, just force every single player to get don't be <laughs> on their forehead. <laughs> tattoo tattoo in reverse so when they see it in the mirror. Don't be stupid. No, no, just, you know, when they look at another player, <laughs> don't be stupid. Even better, yeah. Every yeah. tackle that they make, don't yeah. be stupid. <laughs> I think Ben Roberts had that tattoo. <laughs> no, his was don't hold the ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, no, I, I, of course, it's changing day by day uh, with with COVID. But it seems that New South Wales, we haven't had a community transmission for it's coming on three weeks now. So, um, if if people just keep doing what they're doing, you know, uh, every single one of us needs to to pitch in and make sure we keep it up. Um, and I think if if most of them do do that, then uh, we should be in a good uh, place at least to have crowds back in the next couple of weeks uh, on a limited capacity. But again, it, it depends on everybody doing their little part. Just, you know, clean those hands. If you've got the sniffles, get stay home and go get a test and, and all those sorts of little things. Yeah, we'll be getting back to more precedented times. <laughs> <laughs> all right well the only other news item was that uh, was billy's uh response uh or, or the game plan to ba um and you know that ba he, he certainly well at least sevo took one of those keys and, uh, <laughs> minimized tedesco's influence on the game uh which uh certainly happened but uh um I don't think we gave a rap to Tedesco. That guy's a—he's a tough, tough bastard to yeah, get in front of. Yeah, one tough You know, he, he puts those one-on-one tackles where he's going to get flattened every other week. I think he had one on Kickow earlier in the year where he just got trampled. Yeah. But um, it takes some cojones to to sort of stand front on front with uh, a big bloke like Sivo, where right. you could just sort of you could be forgiven for business trying to decision. fly across and, Make and a tackle the legs right or something there. like that. That's right. But yeah, plenty plenty of guts from him, and it's not—it's you know not unexpected. The guy is the game's best player for a reason. But it does lead me to an interesting moment where I'm sure you guys saw it on social media. You had the um, ESPN Sports Centre asking for permission for the NRL to use the footage for, for why I assume would be their top 10 countdown. And Teddy just responds with the, the emotionless emoji because it's that feeling when the game's best player realises he's about to become a meme worldwide. Oh, goodness. You there, Hamish? Yeah, I was going to say, have you been um, looking at the uh, the NRL boom rookie, rookies for every one of those <laughs> big hits? They've got the coffin mem going yeah, for it. knew it was coming, boys. <laughs> and then lays out. Even if you know it's coming, it was quality. And that was <laughs> that's as real as it gets as far as a legal playing the game tough moment and not you know an insane high shot that a guy should be rubbed out for months for. That um, When you're using that coffin meme, that's as good as it gets. Oh, my God. That was what, – what a – intense moment like just the spectacle of that try in a game that's you know being built as origin quality that that's a little slice that's going to be highlight reeled for decades to come like ham was saying earlier on sorry i was trying to get up that nfl mem meme or, or, or mem. Mem. Yeah. Mem. that that one where um that that's football or whatever it is or does it have a birth on a field <laughs> <laughs> oh, i can't find it that's football uh, might dub that in a bit later actually uh, knights 27, Broncos 6. How do we see that game? Well, we, we talked about it earlier, but off, off air, there was that contentious sin binning, which was the start of the, the NRL's crackdown on behaviour around the ruck you know, with Jermaine Asako copping 10 the bin for an incorrect cow and ponga play the ball. So that was a, a bit of a you know unfortunate moment for that game. I thought that, I don't know, were Newcastle that good? Uh, Daniel Safiti had a big game. Mitchell Pierce scored his trademark run the ball try against a shit team at the end of the game. Um Geez, the, the Broncos, though, just they're a mess. Their spine sucks. It sucks. I, 
I think you can sum that game up in three words. You suck, Darius. <laughs> Shout out to the boys in the crowd to to keep it real. <laughs> oh, hold on, I've got it here. That's fucking football right there. None of that pansy ass dick tugging <laughs> smile for the camera bullshit. Men puke, men poop on the field, men deliver their newborn or baby on the sidelines. Fucking hardcore dick of the ass. Butterball, foosball, fuck it, chuck it the game time shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh. Um, that certainly wasn't occurring in the uh, no, the, not in that game. Uh, Broncos game. No. Uh, then on to uh, Rabbitohs forty to the Warriors twelve, which uh, resulted in uh, Stephen Kearney losing his job at the Warriors. Right, uh, not, right decision, not the greatest timing. Right decision. Awful timing. The optics on that are just terrible. Um, Stephen Kearney was a dead man walking. I thought the the Warriors have underperformed in his tenure there. But geez, the guy literally got the competition back underway by virtue of getting the Warriors relocated to Australia. And you should at least let him run out the rest of the season and then find his replacement down the track. <laughs> That's just a, such bad handling. But it is new new management, new ownership at the Warriors, and they're trying to stamp their their footprint on the team. So they they did what they did. Uh, as we could have told him, Kearney wasn't a great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, they, just, they needed a focus group to talk talk to. They could have asked Paramount fans. <laughs> but yes, um, as for the game itself, um, I mean the. The Rabbitohs were okay. I don't think they were amazing. The scoreline doesn't really reflect that. I suppose it says that they dominated them, but uh, yeah, Latrell had a another pretty- one for the for the reasoning on. Uh, I think you were just about to touch it on M forty is the Fusa to a try, yeah, um, or no try. That's right. Yeah. Where you have Latrell, who had a pretty good game beyond this, but um, he clobbered Fuss in the um in the head, causing him to miss out on a try scoring opportunity. And not only was it not a penalty. Fusatu was ruled to have lost the ball, so um, and was then rubbed out of the game. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, due to HIA. So that that was pretty pretty um, ordinary officiating from both the bunker who were allowed to adjudicate in that, and from the match officials. But yeah, the, the Rabbitohs were good. Warriors are pretty whatever. Like I don't think this game really told us much about finals hopes for either team. Oh, I mean, obviously there was a controversy at the end of the game where Hannah Hulse was well within her rights to ask the question of why Latrell was quiet, I'm crying, and Wayne was well within his rights to then re- rebuff her and tell her it's none of your business. And then you got Fox carrying on for an hour about it after. So, uh. Yeah, I, I just... I, I'm in outrage fatigue at the moment. Like, all this stuff over Aaron Mullen as well, I just outrage fatigue at the moment. But, <laughs> Don't but, care. But Hollis was well within her rights to ask. Wayne did the right thing protecting his locker room. That's okay. Ask a few questions in the post-match and move on. Don't ask Tom Burgess about it 45 minutes after the fact. Uh, all right, Friday night, Panthers 21 to the Storm 14. Uh, Panthers showing that one of their players at least can kick a field goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I thought it was a really good game and, and it played at great yeah. intensity. Yeah, and it was good to see the Panthers grind one out against the Storm, who are usually so good in that situation and so good at putting pressure on the, the officials to get the big calls in those situations. And, and who was the referee in that game? Was it Klein? No, it wasn't Klein, was it? I've got it here. Klein was the Panthers and... Um, it was Klein? Yeah, because he said to... Um, yeah, he, he, Cam, Cameron was throwing a tantrum about a, a, the the uh, obstruction call, the taking off the ball call that went against them. And, you know, he started to unleash a tirade and Klein just said, do you want to challenge it, Cameron? And they shut him up real quick. So yeah. credit, credit well, they, Klein, they got yeah. pretty fortunate with one the week before or with um, uh, Fanukin in the, the middle. So. That, that's yeah. right, exactly. And so, um, yeah, it was... and. Good to see Panthers stand up, and in a way that helps validate our win because Panthers obviously a good team. Um, so our victory over them was that much better now on account of that transitive properties and all those sort of things. But yeah, uh, Melbourne, are, I don't know. They're they're obviously still a very good team, but at times it feels like it's give the camera monster or bust. And yeah, especially he's in, bloody damn good. I mean, he's a pretty good player to have that game plan for. He's a very difficult to tackle, and he can throw a pretty mean cutout pass as we saw for that try set up in the second half. 
But yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I think they're they're missing a, a, a halfback, but also their their current fullback. Whilst he has a the world of talent, um, I'm not sure if he's been fully utilised at the moment with these new new rules. He needs to push up around the ball a lot more, especially in attack. I agree. Uh, all right, on to Saturday at the beginning of Super Saturday. Uh, Titans eight, Dragons twenty. Uh, Dragons getting another win, and that was um a farewell win. Nothing else to say. It was a farewell win for. Uh, old mate uh, James Graham. Who's oh off, yeah, James Graham going Helen. back to uh, what, what, what was your, your fondest memory? It was James uh, crazy uh, <laughs> <laughs> Iron Mike <laughs> against Billy uh, uh, um, <sighs> Vander Holyfield. Uh, what was that? The twenty twelve grand final. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the, congrats to the Dragons. They managed to get um, off the bottom of the table outright now with two wins under the under the belt. Um, the rest of the NRL, they're back. Yeah, they're back. Um, yeah, I mean, that's two weeks in a row. Matt Duffy's been given a lot of time and space to look pretty good in. I don't think the better teams are all fought in that. But, you know, the Dragons did what they had to do to beat a pretty ordinary team in the Titans. Look out, Roosters. I'm telling you that much. We softened them up for the Dragons to knock them down. <laughs> well, there's something to be said of that, although I guess Penrith, Penrith, were, the first, Penrith were the first team to back up after playing us. So they are the exception that proves the rule, I suppose. Then to the middle game, West Tigers 36 to the Cowboys 20. Uh, all Wests in the first half, but all Cowboys in the second half. We thought it was uh, it was on, the comeback. <laughs> Shades of 2015, eh? I couldn't, I honestly, if that was against a better team, like, I, don't, I don't want to put us in it with the Roosters. Roosters probably could have come back from 36-0 down the way the Tigers played that yeah, second half. Yeah, I agree. That, um, was, that was interesting. Gee, the gee, the Cowboys got issues, though. They're just such a mediocre lineup. Like, they've got talent there, but... No effort, no game plan. And, you know, when <laughs> this was going to bring me to a segue, you said you weren't going to blow up. You said you weren't going to blow up him. But when you have a, a certain commenter <laughs> on Twitter saying that David Nofaluma has to be considered a top three winger in the NRL, like, come on. I think uh, Brent Reid put him in. <laughs> yeah, Brent, Brent Reid came, came from the rafters with the elbow drop and said, come on, mate. Come on. Um, I just have to say, if you ate chip rolls at Wenny. You wouldn't have that opinion. That's right. You'd, you'd know what a good winger looks like. Yeah, we've seen some at, at Ring Rose, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, this and why every other NRL or any other opinion you have in regards to NRL or Rugby League in general is pure shit. <laughs> all, all new fans, I don't care where you're from, you're all wrong on your opinion. You've got to have a chip roll from Wenny before you can become it's, it, that it is, it's like It's like a, a rite of passage. That's right, rite of passage is becoming you know, a, an adult in the Rugby League community. Go yeah. get down to Ring Rose and have your chip roll, goddammit. With gravy. With gravy, of course. Then on to Sunday, Raiders 6 against Manly 14. Uh, Manly losing two of their backline players in the first five minutes and then also missing Tom Dvojevic. Uh, that was early in the second half. That's right. Uh, yeah, that still being good enough to get over the Raiders. Raiders looking a bit listless. Yeah. they just they, There was no excuses there, was there? The personnel that Manly lost both before the game and then during the game, they were far from full strength. That the, the Raiders really should have pressed the advantage and put the foot on the throat and run away with that. Instead, they dawdled around for 80 minutes and just got ambushed by Manly, who were gritty. They just toughed it out. And, you know, I, I don't think the Raiders honestly threw that many shots at him. And, geez, we talk about buys of the season, and there's quite a few players being touted as that. But worst buy of the season, I think it's a it's almost they're taking the, the market off. They get starting to hand out the money because Curtis Scott has been absolutely woeful. Yes. Uh- Potentially those uh, police issues plaguing his but on-field that, man, who, who knows psychologically what that's doing to him, yeah. But he's been dreadful, dropping the ball, turnstile on defense. And, yeah, um, 
I don't know. George Williams has um, had a sensational start to the year and sort of faded back since. So the jury's out on, on Georgia boys impacting the NRL. And, you know, they're just – for a team that is meant to be that good, they're really running hot and cold. And hopefully it'll be on the colder side of things this week. But, you know, it's going to be a good test for Parramatta when we, when we host them. Yeah, well, we know what they're capable of. They did it earlier to the storm uh, right. in the season. So uh, uh, the boys need to be up for a full-on contest because uh, you never know when that uh, attacking switch may flick. Uh, all right, then on to the final game, Sharks. Sorry, against Bulldogs. Um, another late fight back by the Bulldogs. Yeah. We thought it was uh, it might have changed. Uh, this was almost a, a good spoon bowl. Like, you know, usually they're pretty, pretty ordinary, but this game had a dramatic finish with intercepts coming back and – Sorry, not intercepts, but spilled, spilled balls being taken distance and coming back. And then intercepts, we got a hat-trick from Sione Katoa. So that was um, interesting. We got That first point down was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> the spring springboard attempt from three metres out. And then we got uh, Matt Mullen being absolutely laid out by uh, Wateen Zalesniak. Uh, was it Wateen Zalesniak? Yeah, it was DWZ. Yeah. So a game that was of surprising quality. Um, I mean, the Sharkies would be happy to bank the two points, but they didn't look that convincing. But yeah, the, the, I, I I don't I don't know if um, this game and quality could be put together. I think it was more of a two teams that, that uh, similar right, but, standards. But in in a way that had a entertaining game of football, which is as a fan what you like to see. But I think that's a better phrasing there, Forty. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like uh, the, I, I memed on him earlier because the Daily Telegraph were calling him like the next big thing. But Jack Avril has been pretty good in his last couple of games. Um, isn't yeah. he more of a natural half coming up through the grade? So well, he's, he's sort played, of stuck he's, out on that. He played in a few different positions for Canterbury, I think, coming through. And now he's literally just there, Mr. Fix-It in the back line, it looks like. He's getting bounced. I think we down. saw him. Was that in that under-20s grand final? Uh, not grand final, sorry, final. Was it last year, possibly, or the year before out at Penrith? Yeah. I, I think, think he, he might, was in that he game might, and he, he had it. right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like Once again, it's two teams that just they're kind of making up the numbers at this point. Like we said earlier, you've got sort of seven teams locked into your top eight already, unless injuries you know, take a, a freakish toll on any of those, those rosters. And it feels like these are two of the also rounds here. All right. Well, let's wrap up other team chat there and jump into the preview. Uh, again, headlining Super Saturday on Fox as the Eels in first position taking on the Raiders in fifth position at 7.35pm on Saturday, the 27th of June, 2020. You can catch It's at Bankwest Stadium, and you can catch the action on KO, Foxtel, and NRL Live Pass. In the teams to run out for the Raiders at fullback, CNK on the wings, Jordan Rapana and Nick Kotrick in the centres, and captain is Jared Croker and Curtis Scott. Then in the halves, Jack White and George Williams. Forwards are Josh Papali, uh, is Soliola. And then at hooker, Josh Hodgson. In the second row, jo- Joseph Tarpany and Elliot Whitehead. And Corey Horsburgh at lock. Then on the interchange, Saliva Havili, Emre Gula, Ryan Sutton and Hudson Young. For the Eels, uh, sorry, we should get to the extended bench, which is Bailey Simonson, Dunamis Louie, Matt Frawley and Storm- Tom Starling. Then for the Eels at fullback and captain is Clint Gutherson. On the wings, make a Sevo, Blake Ferguson, Michael Jennings and Wonga Blake at centres. Dill Brown, Mitch Moses in the halves. Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paula at props. Reed Marnie at hooker. Second row is Sean Lane, Ryan Madison. Nathan Brown has been uh, named at lock pending the judiciary outcome. And then the interchange bench, Ray Stone, Marana Neokore, Oregon Kafusi, Brad Takarangi. Uh, extended bench is David Gower, uh, Daniel Alvaro, George Jennings, Jai Field. 
and on the refereeing ranks, Ashley Klein, Todd Smith, Gavin Badger as touchies, Brian Norrie as video ref, and Jared Maxwell as the senior review official. So having a look at that lineup, should Nathan Brown be ruled out? You'd expect Murata Nakore to come in at lock and potentially David Gower or Daniel Alvaro to come onto the interchange bench. Is that how you see it? Yeah, I'd say I'd say that's Bruce Bryan. Uh, I'd probably, you know, if Brownie loses, we need that more workhorse sort of player around the ruck there, I reckon, to place him. I'll hedge my bets and go Dave Gower as opposed to, to Danny. Ooh, we've got, a, we've got an argument. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a, we've got a bit of yeah, in, inter-podcast uh, rivalry here. No, I just think I'm that, gonna I'm gonna side with uh, forty here. I just ah, think you you talk you talk about Brownie's ability to ball play and Dave Gower brings that off the bench. I think sentimentally, there's also him edging towards a hundred games at the club, which could be the tiebreaker. Um, is not- Birdie even alive? Is- yeah, no, nah, yeah, I'm just I'm just doing my fantasy team, by the way. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> who do you reckon? Who do you reckon? Brown- who will come in, Alvaro or Gower? Oh, I think Alvaro. Yeah. Wow, we got a fifty-fifty split. Yeah. Okay. Just because um, I don't no. think you can, I think we have to get back to what's our best and just running it down through the middle and let Junior and they, uh, let Junior be the ball player if that makes sense. Like, because I just don't think uh, we can have too much ball players if that makes sense in the forwards department because we can't go around them; we have to go through them. But yeah, I'm half, mine's half here, half on NRL.com. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, for, for last year's meetings, uh, Raiders running out 19 to nil victors in the first clash. I know that was a bit controversial for for 40 with that intercept that was the, called back. The 12 point turnaround where we um, we uh, spread the ball for our end goals and it was ruled a forward pass. We went the, the distance of the field and then it came back and they scored. So, yeah, that was a pretty pretty huge uh, call in the context of that game. But we also were pretty ordinary. I mean, Kane Evans had a shocker. Blake Ferguson got his face, his ribs rearranged or face rearranged. Which game was that? The ribs. I that think was, it was that game. Yeah. So um, we we um, were coming off a hot start last year, but that was our first real road bump. And the Raiders, as it turned out, were the real deal in 2019. So that was um, pretty reflective of the two rosters, I think. But then uh, our Darwin game, running out 22-16 to 16 victors with that big second-half comeback, sparked by Manu Ma'u, the shuffle, the shimmy, the dummy, and go. Uh, what a try that was. Yeah, what a legend. The Tongan Terminator, long may he reign. Um, yeah, that, that was a good game. For us, that was if the first game against them last year was us being showing how far we were away from them. The second game was, you know, us saying, okay, finals are, you know, a legitimate opportunity for us to, to go ahead. And obviously, we had that one big win and then one big loss. So that that was like the, the story of 2019, wasn't it? The ups and downs and the lessons. So, yeah. And Ricky Stewart coming into last week's game had 400 uh, coaching NRL first grade games. He was down for two draws, 199 wins, 199 losses, and racked up 200 losses before 200 wins last week. <laughs> so um, hopefully we can keep that ledger in the losses going this week. <sighs> um, all right, well, where do you see uh, they can be torn apart? Their defence, for the most part, has, has, well, earlier on in the season looked pretty good, but mm. the, the last couple of weeks hasn't looked as great. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, obviously, we, we spoke about Curtis Scott earlier, so their right edge is an area we can definitely prioritise attacking. We've got some you know, some handy bikes called Michael Jennings and Maker Sevo with Sean Lane down that side that could do a pretty good job there. But I, I think this is a game where you just look to beat them in each phase and in each channel. I think that they've got a, a very good leader in the forward pack in Josh Papali, but I think our forward pack should be better on the balance of things. And you know, given our ability to attack sideline the sideline the way we do, I think that we could, you know, throw a few knockout blows across the park. 
Joseph Tarpany, I think, is somebody they can uh, work over in defence yeah, and isolate super, and target. Super, super talented player, but so easy to get under his skin and, and pick him out in defence, like you were saying, Hamish. So if you can, if you can get him off, off balance and off kilter mentally, he's definitely someone you can exploit through the middle. And then I also thought uh, the the defence, especially you, you picked it out before 40, but Curtis Scott is certainly somebody that they can uh, have a look at yeah, channeling. And, and on, the, on the flip side, it's not like Jared Croker's a non-defensive powerhouse. He's a guy that has fallen off plenty of tackles throughout his career, but he's very good in attack and obviously a sharpshooter from the boot. So yeah, there's opportunities on both edges. Um, and I think that we, we haven't really shown a, a predilection towards attacking through the middle with um, trick plays and whatnot. So I don't know if this is the week that we might mix it up, but we, we're, we're very much an edge-dominant attacking team. So I, I expect us to be true to our... our uh, no, we just got news coming through. Oh, don't oh. tell me. Yeah, so... You're you, kidding. Do you want to... No, nah, that's, that's an absolute joke. Do you want to um, take it away, Hamish? I'm just looking at nrl.com now. It's in, in the newsroom. Brown, unsuccessful in yeah. the judiciary. Uh, absolute ridiculous. Yeah, well, you know, he should, he, he should have charged the grading. I, I think the grading is ridiculous, um, but consistently inconsistent judiciary. That's um, right. Who fucking knows? And uh, unfortunately for us, we've, it feels like we don't fight the charges when we should in general. And the times we do, we just get burned, which probably contributes to us to not fighting the charges. But yeah, that's ridiculous. The fact that Victor Radley could get a grade one for what he did to Quinton Gufferson in the same game, and then Brown gets a grade two and misses out two weeks is just absolute horse shit. So that's really Here's what it is. We'll so just have to have Murata Nekore like, step up, which he like has the, done earlier this season. The, the Dave Gower, Daniel Alvaro debate of the century probably intensifies now. I don't even care about that anymore. That's really put a damper yeah. on the um, weekend. You know, I was... I, didn't know what to expect from the judiciary because it can be anything, but come on. He's serious. He barely touched him. Like, he fucking he, flicked him. Yeah, but he touched, he touched the golden boy, the one that the media love at the moment, which I probably... Fucking porn star fucking Victor. That's what he is. Just That is that is such a terrible, terrible decision from the judiciary. You know what? If I'm Brad Arthur, listen here, boys. We're playing European football today. Any contact in the head, you go down. You feign injury. You pretend you're knocked out. I don't, I don't care. You, like, Victor, he, he, he gets hit, right? He's, apparently some guy on Twitter said he was knocked out, but yet he regained consciousness in two seconds and started pushing and shoving. It's just bullshit. Seriously. I don't understand. Well, as, as soon as Nathan Brown caught him out for being soft, he got up pretty quickly. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, you know, I don't know. Honestly, it just... Aren't we sponsored by Lloyds, by the way? Are they, should we get a new sponsorship? Yeah, anyway, like, we, we need to start taking on the um, the council that the Roosters use because they've been very successful. Hamish, what are you doing? Man, you, should have done, you should have skipped the pod and you know, filled in for us. You probably would have done a better job. Oh, I don't know if it's the job that's done. It's just that, you know, um, the judiciary is made up of three ex-footballers and, you know, they go on the general vibe of things as opposed to considering things, I think, in a way that they should be uh, correctly. So uh, judiciary is what it is. Uh, Nathan Brown rubbed out for this week and next week, which is unfortunate because we've got two big games coming up. But Gerard Nia is going to slot in at 13 and, um, you know, we'll see if it's David Gower or Daniel Alvaro to slot into the team. Um, all right, well, on that sour note, Birdie, uh, first try scorer, eventual score. Okay, so first try scorer, I'm going Michael Jennings. Um, I think we're going to win uh, 36-14. Now, I say Jennings, I reckon we target, uh, get our centers to target, like cut back into the middle and target Papali and the likes of Hordes, bro, like, and um, their forwards, because they they're not as good laterally. So just, you know, trying to get, like, cut back in, whatever they call unders, whatever they call I don't know, I'm not a coach, but... <laughs> I'm a fantasy coach, but that's it. Um, yeah, I reckon we'll we'll respond well. And Raiders, their forward pack is their strength. Their backs are a bunch of you know the plebs. So 
you know, Gufferson's going to be the top fullback of the game. And yeah, so just get a good game and ram it down their throat. And then for you, 40. Ah, oh, jeez. I want to back Virgo, but he's been no good. So I'll go for, for Quentin Gufferson. He's going to slice through down our left edge. So Quentin Gufferson, first try scorer. Um, I'd really like to see us put the cleaners for Canberra, but Brown being out is a big loss, even though Murata is a fantastic player. Um, you know, we saw Nathan Brown crack nearly 200 metres against the Roosters and was, you know, an absolute difference maker in the middle. So that's going to be a big loss. So Eels 24... Raiders, six. And then on to you, Ham. Uh, first try scorer, Junior. All right, we'll have me down. Uh, Fergo, I'm jumping off you. I think I might have been the curse. Uh, you know, as much as 60s uh, having a, a gamble on any game seems to be the curse, I think me tipping him for first try scorer has uh, been a bit of curse. But I'll, I'll jump on uh, Michael Jennings to have the first try scoring honours. And I think we can pull away in this one, but I've got it a bit closer at 18, 12. Um, I think Raiders are, are due to... Uh, sort of put on a game, especially yeah. an attack, coming back. All right, here, here's, um, a, here's a follow-up question. We've, we've talked, spoken about this, about us being so good at neutralising the opponent's best player. Who is that player? Is it... Uh, is I, it I still uh, think it's Jack Whiten, although he has been off. Um, Whiten, Hodgson, or Papali, I suppose, would be the three big candidates yeah. there. Yeah. There's your three right there. You've got to limit... Um, really, it's just basically go back to what we did Pre-Roosters game is just first 20 minutes, dominate possession, smash them. Um, we can get them. The Raiders out wide. Um, their defensive structure as strong as they were last year. We can definitely get them there. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's really simple the way to win a game in 2020. Is we've seen Parramatta do it. We've seen the Roosters do it to us. Is hold the ball early, dominate possession, um, and then just sort of keep playing as you do the game. Here's a yeah, hot but- take. Oh, you go ahead. Sorry, Hamish. No, what the hot take. We will outstrip the Raiders. Raiders will have zero strips, <laughs> and we will outstrip them. We will. Who was it? Laney the other day that got the the Ma- gear Maddo, off the Maddo and Laney have both done them a couple times this year. I think so. Yeah. I'm is that by the stripping you're talking about, Bertie? Oh yeah. What time is it? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> is this the after midnight edition of the Para Podcast? <laughs> is this uh, Para Podcast uncut or something? No, but uh, no, seriously, I think we can. Um, well, their strength is a uh, you know. One of their strengths is they can tend to strip the ball. So I reckon Brad Arthur will hopefully, you know, get in their heads, just go down the ball and kind of use their their strength against them or, you know, fight fire, fire, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap up the Para podcast there for this week. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, get a win. I I think we said a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, that we, we should or we would like to split last week's game and this week's game, at least one from two. So we're already down 0-1. Um, so we really need to pick up a win this week, uh, which will put us in good stead for the next three games that we have coming in this five-game stretch, which we picked out as the toughest of the season. Um, so getting a win over the Raiders would be great. Uh, but I, I'm wary of them after they've been so poor the last couple of weeks. To, and they also have uh, a pretty good record against us in recent games. So. They they do, and just looking at those stats in the uh, since nineteen ninety eight, thirty three played twenty to the Raiders, thirteen to the Eels, um, not so great. Uh, but you know, I I, th- I think we can match it with them, and I think uh, if we've learned anything from last week, this will be a game to show it that we can step up against a grand finalist team Agreed. from last season. And Although back. they've been down a bit on form, um, they've still got the the uh, 
cogs that were there last season and the grand final. So, and equally um, so, I think us showing that we can back up after playing the Roosters is important because that's what finals football is about, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, high-intensity match week after week. And so we, we would have gone from Penrith to the Roosters to the Raiders, and if we can do that, I think that that is a, a massive stamp of approval for us. Yeah, so best of luck to the Eels on Saturday night, and hopefully you can all enjoy that game. Uh, again, headlining Super Saturday. Uh, so I think that does it here, uh, and we'll catch you on the next Power Podcast. Cheers. Cheers. Later. Cheers.